Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. Thank you for continuing to listen to the Walk Show and please tell a friend if you enjoy the show. There's a ton of sensationalism out in the world and I really strive to keep this show grounded and honest to, to hopefully create something that's truly relatable. Uh, so if you find that that's your experience listening, then again, please you know share it with someone else that maybe doesn't already listen. We've had the opportunity on the show to hear from authors, life coaches, musicians, and many other terrific guests. Today we've got a guest that's actually uh, talking about a subject we haven't really talked a lot about here on The Walk Show, and one that people can become pretty uncomfortable with, uh, and that is the subject of finance, or more plainly, just money. Today's guest is a public speaker, author of the book Financial Hope, Principles for a Prosperous Financial Future, and offers short and long-term coaching for individuals, and his name is Dakota Grady. Dakota is an incredibly warm and kind soul who is spreading a simple, direct, and important message of controlling and succeeding in personal finances. Dakota is also a man of faith and combines some biblical teachings into his work. While I am openly not a Christian myself, I absolutely appreciate folks like Dakota who embody the beauty of the faith by living to help others. Dakota actually defines hope as an acronym meaning helping other people become empowered, which I just think is a a really awesome uh, statement. I really enjoyed the conversation with Dakota, and I think you will too. Uh, as always, the music on the show today is brought to you by Misha Zarin, so thank you so much, Misha, for providing the music. And with that, let's get on to the discussion with Dakota Grady. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Dakota Grady. Thank you so much for joining. Yes, thank you for having me, Walker. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Dakota, you're actually based out of, uh, at least close by Nashville, Tennessee. Is that right? That's, yes, correct. I'm in Hendersonville. Yes. Oh, okay. And are you from Are you from there originally? I'm from South Carolina, but I've been t- in Tennessee for about seven years. Okay, gotcha. Um and yeah, so you're actually, you're a, a man of, of many talents. Um, I noticed that you, you do some public speaking and then you also have written a book. Is that, is that accurate? That's correct. Yes. So I've been speaking since 2008 that, that for about a year in South Carolina through Toastmasters, moved to Tennessee in 2013, started speaking in 2014. And then for my business, I started speaking in about 2015, I think. So okay. I've been speaking for a while and then my book came out last year. Oh, okay. So that's pretty recent then. Yes. My book came out, so the self-publishing, and I launched it last year with the ebook, and my audio book came out in October last year. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we'll just start talking about the, the, with the book, I guess, since that's a pretty recent thing. So what is your, your, your book is called Financial Hope. Is that right? That's correct. Principles for a Prosperous Financial Future. Yeah. So, so can you maybe kind of just talk about what it is that you help people with and, and what you're trying to, to communicate with your book? Yeah, so I know that millions of people are struggling financially. So what I do is I give them a step-by-step plan so that they can maximize their money through budgeting, crush debt, because debt is a thief, and save for unexpected events because life happens, as we know, so that they can be able to invest and retire on their terms. So the book talks about those things. It talks about budgeting, getting out of debt, Having a rainy day plan for life talks about investing, buying a house, insurance, purchasing. So it talks about personal finances in general. 
and just want to help people to eventually have the money on purpose so that they can live the life that they want. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, obviously none of us predicted the circumstance we'd find ourselves in today with the pandemic situation, but um, I mean, this kind of information is probably more useful now than, than maybe ever before. Right. Or, or maybe it would have been more useful a few months before the pandemic hit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think honestly that, I mean, I think personal finance is something that is important like year round. Right now it's the month of April and April is national financial literacy month in the United States. It is. So mm. I think that this is a very pivotal, pivotal point in time and a very pivotal subject, subject matter in general. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's, it's strange how, how money works, not how money works, but I, I guess what I mean to say is, the way people talk about money really just kind of based on the way they grow up. I mean, um, you know, I, I came, my parents, for example, my mother's side of the family, her dad was owned a construction company and it wasn't like a giant firm or something, but he owned a small construction company and was, you know, an entrepreneur and investor in the stock market. And she has siblings that, that went off to do things with, with finance. But then like my dad's side of the family, I mean, they were just blue collar workers that, you know, did, construction work and road work and that kind of stuff a lot. And and my dad worked at a warehouse. So, um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but just simply he, the way he talked about money and the way he looked at money, very different from the way that, that, you know, my mom's side of the family did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it, it's just, I think interesting the, the way that you see people, I don't, again, think about it, kind of understand it. How did you find yourself deciding to to try and help people with this, this pretty complicated subject? Well, my background is I grew up in a low income family. I'm already have seven children. You probably have heard of the Brady Bunch. We're with the Grady Bunch because my last name is Grady. And <laughs> <laughs> we grew up on welfare, which is government assistance, food stamps and WIC. That was a time when my mom and dad took my sister, my brothers and me over my grandmother's house because our power got disconnected. And that's one reason why I do what I do. Second reason why I do what I do is because the welfare, for me, I felt so ashamed. I love to eat food, but going to the store to get food with food stamps made me feel so shameful. Mm-hmm. So that's my other why. And my third and fourth why is I have a wife and a daughter. My wife is my third why. We've been married for 12 years now. Congratulations. Why, thank you. It's my daughter. She's turned four years old yesterday. So those are my four whys where I teach this stuff because I know that people are struggling financially. I grew up struggling financially and I don't want people to go through what I went through. And it's not how much money people make it's how well they manage what they make. It's, sure. That's important. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think the, the, I mean, what are some top mistakes that you see people making regarding you know, managing their money? Is there a common theme that you see or is it just kind of every individual is different? I think it depends on the person. And I think, honestly, it has to be a deep burning desire to want to have the money on purpose because someone may make six figures and be broke as a joke. Right. Someone may be living minimum wage and be disciplined saving, have a rainy day fund because that person has a desire to prosper financially. He or she may not make the best money, but they know how to handle the money properly. And I had a guy tell me one time before, he was, was like a small business owner in Hendersonville. He told me that 
he didn't have any debt, so he didn't need to do a budget. It doesn't matter how much money you make, everybody needs a budget. I mean, nobody is exempt from doing a budget. Right. So you think that the people's just the lack of budget is is really probably the biggest thing, biggest mistake that people consistently make. I would say that, and I think this the desire to budget because mm-hmm. budgeting, I mean, it's honestly budgeting is simple. I was teaching a class in the Asheville, Tennessee area, and they told me the stuff I'm teaching is basically elementary. And sure. People think that things have to be so complicated with this. It's not that hard to do. It's simple. If people can do three minus two equals one, then they can do a budget. But the hard part is doing the budget. You have to want to control your finances. If you don't have that desire, it's like losing weight. If you have friends that you need to stop hanging around with or you need to stop smoking cigarettes, if you don't want to do those things, there's no point. Same thing with your money. If you don't want to do a budget, your budget will be broke because according to Career Builder, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And I wholeheartedly believe why they live paycheck to paycheck because one, they don't do a budget and two, they don't make enough money. Right. Right. But like you said, I mean, really even more than how much they make, just the, the way that they you know manage that maybe matters even more. Um, yeah, I think that, so, you know, personally, I, um, I've been someone that, you know, not to, <laughs> to get too personal, I guess, but, um, I'm someone that that's carried, um, that's carried debt really throughout my life. I, I've always been able to manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I can trace it, like I said earlier, I can trace it back to, and not that it's, I mean, I'm a you know 36 year old man, so <laughs> I'm certainly responsible for my own decisions and choices at this point. Um, but I can just kind of trace it back to the way that, again, you know, my, my dad, especially how he looked at, at money and, 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 you know, managed it, I guess you could say. Um, and, and we didn't have explicit conversations, but it's just kind of watching those habits and watching those things. Um, whereas my mom, you know, my dad was someone who would just, he was willing to, to spend, to spend money that maybe he shouldn't have, um, and he didn't, you know, it wasn't like some extravagant thing, but we probably ate out when we shouldn't have sometimes and, and that sort of stuff, you know, whereas my mom was much more frugal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so growing up, I always had, I don't know, I guess this kind of sentiment that like it, <laughs> it wasn't nearly as much fun to be frugal. Mm. Um, <laughs> but that that's not true. That's only true in good times, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Because when the when the rainy day comes, then 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 it's not real fun to not have been frugal ahead of that. Well, I want to talk about the the part about watching people watching their parents. So, my mom and dad didn't teach me how to handle money as a gift that came to me easily, but people do watch their parents spend money, and I believe that it comes a point in time, like you said, you're you're an adult now, to say, all right. Is what my parents, what they did, is that the right way to do something? Whether it may be handling money, having a good pleasure show to people, is that the right way to do this? If not, then it's time for me to change what I'm doing because although my parents may have not been known what to do, I guess the right way or something that they didn't, they weren't taught, it's time for me to change that thing, to change the dynamic of my family and say, all right, I want my kids to handle money properly. So although my dad was a spender, my mom was frugal. I think my mom's way was better because we were able to save money and have money when things worked. 
when we went through bad times opposed to going out to eat all the time like with dad. So for me right. personally, I want to teach my daughter how to handle money on purpose because I want her to have some things. I want her to be able to live the life fully and be able to help people in the process, not to struggle financially like we did growing up. Some other friends that are are much more fiscally responsible than I am, um, <laughs> and they've they've introduced me to things throughout throughout the years. Um, probably the one that stands out the most is like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Is that a book that resonates with you at all? Yes, I've actually read that book before. It just kind of it it kind of has so, you know um, similar, I guess. I you know ideas or, or similar um, thoughts about about the importance of budgeting and the importance of, of kind of taking control and, and the, the discipline that you're speaking to that's kind of required. So it just kind of reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that, I don't, I don't mean it as if, you know, that, that it, it's not original. So in the last year or so, I've really delved a lot into to personal development stuff. Self-help, you know, is it's called often. Um, but I don't like that phrase because it, it, I think it carries a lot of negative connotation with it. But the reason that it does that people don't like the term self-help is because they think that it's all it's all cliches or it's all, you know, uh, information that's already known. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that to some extent that that is kind of true. However, it's because if something is true, there's not another way to make it true. You know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> there's just a, there's just a, a way things are. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of what it is. And so I think there's actually a lot of value in people. Like, you know, for example, if if maybe some of the ideas that you have are similar to some of the ideas in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I don't think that that's a, a, a downside at all. I think, if anything, it establishes credibility for the idea. It's consensus. And your voice is going to be different than Robert Kiyosaki, the guy who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like, the way you approach it's going to be different. So maybe Rich Dad, Poor Dad didn't resonate with one person, but then here you come with a different spin on kind of some of the same ideas, and now it can resonate um, you know, with another person that, like I said, maybe had even been exposed to it before, but hadn't heard it before. So, and I agree. I mean, because nothing is new under the sun, right? Robert Kiyosaki has his own story. I have my own story. You have your own story, and everybody else has a own story. And everyone has something that they can learn from somebody else. So, if I'm good with money, and someone else isn't good with money, and a person can relate to me, or I can relate to that person, he or she can purchase my book. Say yeah, I can resonate with him. I go with, with, with what he's talking about and follow his principles. Mm-hmm. Opposed, somebody else may say I I don't like I don't like the, I don't like the way the Cody Grady says something about budgeting. I'm going to do it the way Robert Kiyosaki says because even though it's the same concept, I rather do it the way Robert says opposed to Dakota. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I I, I guess you know. Beyond writing the book, you also do public speaking. What kind of what kind of public and speaking engagements are you are you involved with? So, I've spoken to two two women-owned businesses recently. This was last year in Nashville, Tennessee, and one was Mount Juliet, Tennessee, which is outside of Nashville. 
spoke okay. to the colleges. I spoke to my alma mater in Berea, Kentucky, which is Berea College. Go BC. I spoke <laughs> to Vol State. It's a volunteer state community college in Gallatin, Tennessee. I spoke there actually twice. I'm speaking there hopefully this summer as well. And so I've spoken to churches, one in South Carolina, one in Nashville, Tennessee, and there's some conferences as well. I've spoken at say a payroll conference, a social welfare conference. So I'm doing just a variety of things. But mostly people who have come or come to my classes or have purchased my my products have been females. And I mean, I've taught some guys, I've coached some guys, some guys who have attended my classes, but mostly it's females who are the ones who show up or purchase my products and services. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I just wouldn't have guessed that. Not that I would have guessed that it would have been more men, but I, mm-hmm. I just would have thought it would be more of a, I don't know, just kind of a 50, 50 mix, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Well, so, yeah. So, you know, when you do the public speaking engagements, especially when you're traveling, you know, away from your, your local area where you live, I mean, do you, do you, have you had a, like any kind of connections with people from the audience that, that came out of that? I mean, you know, any, I don't know, any, <laughs> any story where someone runs from the crowd and <laughs> is so excited that they, they've heard, learned what they've learned. I just, I've never done anything like that. So I don't really know, I guess, what it would be like to travel around and, and deliver speeches like that. So when I was in South Carolina at a church, and a lady told me basically that information was me. It was very, very needed because people do need stuff. People, even though it's taught everywhere, I'm sure people need help with personal finances. So this people telling me that what I'm talking about is needed and that's excellent in terms of how I present things and the information is solid. It gives me hope that I'm doing something right, basically. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I was excited to have you, to have you come on the show. Um, you know, I've had life coaches. Um, I've had a psychologist on the show. I've had just the, the most recent episode that I came out with, which that won't be true when this episode airs, but <laughs> whatever. Um, was with a girl that does a podcast where she does guided meditations. Um, I, I just, I, I've tried to, to, to have people on that, that kind of promote something positive, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that when it comes to, you know, I, I need, I guess I need to get a, a actual physical trainer or something on here, but you know, a, everyone understands, like, if you want to be not just lose weight, but like, you know, if you want to have good physical health, then you would need to go work out, right? Like you would need mm-hmm. or watch what you eat. Like you would need to do, take certain measures to secure a certain physical level of well being. Um, and I think, and I think with mental health, we're in a place right now where people, where that's also true, where it's like, if you really want to be in a good mentally healthy space on a consistent basis, um, you've got to, you know, quote unquote, go to the gym, whether that be doing, you know, personal routines or, or maybe talking with a coach or a therapist or a counselor or whatever that may be. Um, but I think that there's a lot of value in, in trying to, to be consistent with making oneself feel better. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean that as a di- as a cure to all mental illness or anything. I, I'm not speaking about it from that perspective. But but anyway, I say all of that to say that I think when it comes to finance and, and kind of something you've already hit on, 
it's probably just true there as well, right? Like if you want to be financially healthy, you kind of got to go to the gym. Like there's just a certain amount of consistent effort that you have to put into managing that in order to, to keep it, you know, in a, in in a good maintained shape. That's true. And that consistency comes in, in my opinion, we're doing budgeting, you do a budget every single month because every month is different. And when you, when you budget, you're basically telling your money what to do. So I tell people you budget like a boss because your money is your employee. It's working for you. Mm-hmm. And the way you get the work for you is you tell it what to do. So you tell it to give, save, and spend. And once you start doing it consistently, it becomes a habit. You do it for 90 days and you say, well, what has changed in my spending? Am I more accountable? Am I overspending in, I was like, go dining out? Am I overspending on just shoes, clothes? Am I overspending mm-hmm. on my house? Do I have too much house? The budget gives you boundaries and it keeps you mm-hmm. fit, financially fit, basically. But it's financially for your finances, though. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, no one would think it was weird to talk about, like, yeah, you know, if you want to be able to to be in any kind of shape, like you got to go to the gym once in a while or, or go on a walk once in a while. I mean, just the gym, but whatever. You've got to engage physically in order to keep that. But then when you talk about it in the space of, of like that, like, oh, well, you've got to budget regularly and look at, and actually pay attention to where the money's going and what you're doing with it and think about it and analyze it and evaluate it. Um, not, obviously, not everyone, but a lot of people will kind of look at you like, well, that's boring. Or, you know, why would I want to do that, right? Yes. <laughs> and then I'll say, I guess you're not being broke then. <laughs> right, right, right. Because some people, right. well, they think they have it in their head. I'm like, well, it's better to write things down. That way you can see what's actually happening. And you can measure it. Every month, you can measure it. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, my wife and I, we do a bunch of every month. And we're old school. We use a bunch of online as well. But we also do a form that is written. So we do our checkbook every month to make sure what's in our account is on our check register as well. So we know where money's going every month. I mean, look at the budget, look at our check register. We can see where our money's going every month. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting. You brought that up because that's just what I was going to ask is, do you do a, a written one or so what do you have a, a software that you suggest that people check out for budgeting? Well, I mean, there are things out there, every dollar mint, is one why now i think that means you need a budget i believe some different things out there that you can mm-hmm. use yeah i personally use ynab um which now it's a monthly subscription fee but i bought it when it was just a standalone application mm-hmm. so i'm technically using the older version but it, it does everything i need honestly though i don't know that it does anything more than what mint offers and mm-hmm. mint is free so mm-hmm. Probably people should check that out if they're if they're looking for one because again I don't know what YNAB offers for the the co- you know for the fee that's superior to Mint but yes some perhaps yeah so I actually don't have a budget in terms of when it's like online yet but that's something that I'd like to do though in the future.
So when you're doing these different speaking engagements and, and you, you'd mentioned earlier that most of your clients, you know, seem to be female largely, um, what kind of age ranges are you seeing? Are you seeing young people, older people, middle-aged people, or, or a healthy mix, or what do you see there? It's a mixture. I've coached a lady who was 19 years old up to a lady who was in her 50s, and then people attend my classes. It's just a, a variety of ages, so maybe people in their 20s up to their maybe 50s, so just a awesome. mixture. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's cool. I was, I was curious just because, you know, you kind of get, on the one hand, you know, a younger person could benefit from it tremendously because if they start early with good habits, then they might set themselves up for a huge amount of success later. Right. Yes, that's uh, correct. But that being said, you know, even if you're someone who's in your fifties or sixties or whatever the case may be, you could still, you could still, still come out better, better off than you would without learning these, these principles and applying these things. Yes, that's right. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, we've talked about your, your, your book that you wrote, we've talked about your, your public speaking, but you also do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. So, so is that something that you're doing just locally in the, the kind of greater Nashville area, or is that something that's available to people from, from anywhere? So for anywhere, actually at clients in South Carolina, I did a session via Skype. So oh, cool. location is not an issue. Well, that's awesome. Um, I guess now, even if you didn't want to use Skype before, you'd, you'd have to be now, right? Even if, <laughs> even if it was just yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, so I was looking, you know, so you've, you've also got a website, dakotagrady.com, um, mm -hmm. which I encourage everyone to, to go check out. Um, but I was looking at that before we'd, we'd spoken today. And I, I did see uh, a line that, that I noticed that you, you've kind of, kind of have some biblical teachings or you've kind of tied some, some faith-based ideas into your, your, your financial education. Is that, is that right? Yes, correct. So basically I want to help people to maximize their money so they can help other people, but also become who God created them to become. Cause I believe that when people have their finances in order, they're able to relax, focus on their dreams, whether it be their job or their business idea. Mm -hmm. And it is, pursue life wholeheartedly and become who God created them to become. And then when their cup is filled up, they can have the overflow and give it to somebody else who needs help as well. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, um, that's a very, very true and, and powerful thing. Um, I only, I mean, I, am not a, <laughs> I, not a, naturally charitable person, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I like to think that I'm an empathetic person, but <laughs> only, only in the last couple of years did I start um, volunteering and, and donating money to my local food bank. Uh, mm -hmm. Ozark's Harvest here is the local thing, but I, I was just blown away by how, um, yeah, how, how, <laughs> frankly, how good it feels to, to, to help out with an organization like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and to help people who are in need, because you're absolutely right. You know, it, whenever you've, whenever you're, you're comfortable and, and you're good, if you will, um, it does give you an opportunity to help other people. And there's, there's a lot of power in that. I mean, that's something that I've seen people talking about how to fend off anxiety during this pandemic when everyone's locked up. And it's like trying to find a way to help someone else. Um, cause it's amazing how, <laughs> how much satisfaction you can get from, from helping someone else out, not even just yourself. Correct. 
I mean, honestly, that's what life is about, helping other people. Like the word hope means this is something that I came up with, helping other people become empowered, H-O-P-E. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to add to that, helping other people become empowered through personal finances. So basically when people become empowered, again, their needs are met, they're able to become empowered to help people in the process and help people to become who they were created to become as well. Right. Right. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. The, I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I had a psychologist on the show, um, I don't know, a few weeks ago or so now, but, um, and you know, she's a psychologist, you know, a professional doctor, all that. But, um, but she also kind of ties her faith into her work. And I think it's really interesting because I think that, you know, in the space of psychology that can get a bad rap in some religious communities because it's, it's seen as, trying to subvert maybe, you know, a natural order of things. And I think, again, I'm speculating to some extent, but I think when it comes to, to personal finance, people might have the impression that, you know, it, it wouldn't be God's work to deal with, with money like that or something. Right. But, mm -hmm. um, but I think the opposite of that is true because of exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it, the truth is, is that money is a, is just a, an idea really. <laughs> right. But it's just yes. a, it's just a vehicle. It's not an end game. Um, the point isn't to accrue a bunch of money. The point would be to have resources to help other people or whatever thing it may be, but it's in service of something, not just the money itself. So. Correct. I mean, it's good to have money because think about it. Everything costs money, bills, food, cars, right? When you have a job, you gotta pay your people, pay your vendors. I mean, everything costs money. You don't want to worship money, but money is something that we need in this world. So why not handle it in a way that you can accumulate a lot of wealth and then be able to give it to somebody else. I mean, not all of them, but give it some of the way because honestly, I mean, everyone is going to pass away from this planet. So we can't take anything with us, whether it be money, cars, clothes, our friends. So why not handle money on purpose, be able to help people in the process and again, become who they were created to become. Because when you feel, when you give, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, it feels good, right? Mm-hmm. And right now would be a great time because here in Tennessee, we had tornadoes recently. Oh, Nashville, man. Chattanooga. I mean, even the different the floods. See, we had the hurricane in the Bahamas. I mean, so many things that happened. And if people are financially sound, they aren't struggling financially. They can be able to give more to organizations, whether it be the time or the money. Yeah. Well, and you know, something I've, I keep bringing up for whatever reason is, is mental health. But I think that, that, um, you know, I know at times in my life when I've been really broke or really been facing financial hardship, it, it doesn't just make whatever circumstance, you know, that is, hard, it affects everything, you know, it affects my mood, my mentality about everything. Um, mm -hmm. cause it's just, you've got this weight on your shoulders, you know, you got this bear on your back and, and everything, you start looking at everything through that lens. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, it, it, it's <laughs> kind of in the way that there's like a, you know, an, an interconnection between mental health and physical health. Like if you mm -hmm. go, you know, go, go for a walk, maybe that'll help reduce anxiety or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think taking control of your financial situation, I mean, even though myself, 
again, I'm, you know, I definitely still have debt and I'm not a picture perfect <laughs> person to follow for, for financial advice, but I do, I, I, the reason that I started budgeting honestly was because I got, I got tired of being at a point where like when I, when I handed my debit card to the cashier, I didn't know for sure if it was going to work or not, you know, cause mm. I kind of loose idea of what money's mm -hmm. in there <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and shifted it to actual doing a budget. And it just made me so much more comfortable to understand what the numbers are, which to your point earlier is not complex. I mean, I don't, have, I don't, I don't do any algebra to do that. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's really just a check register, but. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, Personal finance is tied to your mental health as well because you're thinking about money. Yep. If you're worried about your finances or your job, you're stressed out. You're not focusing on serving your clients. So you're focusing on how I'm going to pay my bills. Do I have enough money in my checking account to pay this particular item I'm going to purchase? You're worried. So your productivity at work goes down and you're coming home from work. And if you're married, you're stressed out. So you probably get an argument with your spouse about money. Or if you're single, in order to cover up your sadness or your worry, you probably go overspend because you're not right. accountable. When you're married, in my opinion, the husband and the wife should hold each other accountable by doing the budget. And I think if people did a budget as a couple, as married couples, men and women, marriages would be so much better. And if somebody was single, having somebody hold you accountable to that would reduce stress in your life what you mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right? <laughs> so it goes hand in hand. If you want to reduce stress, if you want to have a great marriage, do a budget. And I tell the right. people that three things, that three reasons why I'm still married and I attribute to one guy, my faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, communication. And third, a budget. If you want a great marriage, do a budget. Whether right. you're single, your budget. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, people worry about, um, you know, do we like the same movies or do we want to go eat at the same restaurant or whatever? And not that there's not importance to that stuff, but being on the same page with, you know, how you're going to keep the lights on or, or how, or maybe it's not that dire, maybe how you're going to go on a vacation that you both want to go on or something, but, mm -hmm. but being in line on that, mm -hmm. um, you know, it makes sense that it would be significant because it's a significant thing we're talking about. Yes, it is. It is. And I mean, I think that people just did the simple stuff, like a budget every month, then life would be so much better for them because they know where their money's going and not stressed out because it affects their mental health. Like you mentioned, the mental health is affected because things happen and it's all in our psyche. I mean, like fear, worry, and doubt, it's in our mind. So if we can mm -hmm. control that by taking action with our finances, taking action with having an accountability partner, taking action with working out, being healthy. And if we have an issue, talk to somebody about it, our spouse. If we have an issue with our spouses, talk to your spouse, whether you're a man or a woman. If you have issues in any area, talk to your spouse about it. Or if you're single, talk to your accountability partner. Somebody will tell you no and love when it comes to your finances. Someone's going to hold you accountable to spending wisely or somebody's going to hold you accountable to not overspending. Going out to eat, going to the club at night when you should be at home doing your budget. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right. 
Well, and that's the thing, though. I mean, you know, the truth is, is that doing a budget, I mean, maybe the very first time you do it, it's going to take a while to, to kind of set up categories and, and kind of make sure that you've accounted for things. But once you get in the, a routine of it, there's not really, I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it's not like it's an eight hour work effort to, you know, <laughs> to, to fill out the budget for a month. Correct. Um, exactly. I agree. I mean, it becomes a habit when you start doing it over time. And for me, it's automatic. I mean, we do one every month. We, we, my wife and I, we take turns doing it, and it has helped our marriage. And also having a rainy day fun in place, too. Having money saved, because life happens. And the last year I had my opinions removed, it was unexpected. Right. So we had money to save for, for that unexpected event. We've had cars stop working. We lost jobs. It's like, but we know things happen. We still do a budget, and we still have money saved in the, in the bank. So we... Replenish the money, we'll pay the bill, whether it be car repair or a new purchase of a car, and we replenish that money and life keeps moving on. But if we don't have the money in place, what will we do? Go borrow money. And actually, my wife and I, we're debt free. We don't have any debt. So we have awesome. savings, we have things safe for retirement. So I'm like, that's where I want to be, and I want to help people get there as well. can probably guess but i i would still ask you to to elaborate a bit but i mean what's your opinion of credit cards and credit card debt all right so <laughs> great question <laughs> right <laughs> i'll lob it in there for you all right thank you well let me give you some information about myself i used to be an auditor for a debt buyer so say you have oh, sears wow. yes and say sears had some credit card and if they didn't get those paid they would sell it particular debt to a company called say your certain capital services, my a former employee in South Carolina. So a surgeon would place their old, old debts with collection agencies. My job was to go audit the collection agencies to make sure that they were doing what they're supposed to do with the money. Mm. And I had a credit card, I was traveling for the company. I would re, get reimbursed for my expenses. So I would pay my credit card off every month because I was, I was savvy with that, but then I heard about, uh, basically using cash. I'm like, really? So I tried it and that was 2008, I believe. And I haven't used a credit card, credit card since then. So I've been debt free since 2013 and I mm. haven't had a credit card since 2008, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, I, yeah. That's kind of what I figured you'd say. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, you know, I, I think that the credit cards can, you know, on the one hand, they can provide a lot of convenience, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, so it's not that there's no value to them, but I think that most people that get credit cards, and so I used to work for a credit card company a long time ago now, but, you know, worked at the call center. And so I became very intimately familiar with their policies and their procedures and how things, you know, work out. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And yeah, I mean, most people just don't actually know the terms of the deal that they're doing. And it, mm-hmm. like what I always do is like, if the, if the, the terms of the credit card were just a guy that lived in your neighborhood, like, like, so you go borrow money from the credit card and they give you this pamphlet of terms that no one reads and everyone mm-hmm. just goes, yeah, it's fine. And then later they're disappointed when, <laughs> when they get robbed basically by the credit card company. Yeah. Um, but it's like, but if it was a guy in your neighborhood who loaned money and you went to him and he just told you the terms that the credit card has written in the pamphlet, no one would do business with the guy loaning money out of his house. It's too crazy. You know what I mean? Like if the guy told you, yeah, I'll give you 0%, but if you're ever late, even by a single day, I'm going to jack the rate to 30%. Mm-hmm. No one would take that deal. They would be like, that's a terrible idea. Why would I agree to that? You're trying to hustle me, you know? <laughs> but Correct. But then the credit card companies put it in, you know, I guess fancier language and so that it, it, people people don't see it. Yes, I mean, I don't believe in debt. only debt I believe in is getting a house. But even then, I mean, pay off debt ASAP because debt is a thief. Because people have dreams, hopes, and desires. And when you got a car payment, a student loan payment, a title loan payment, a mortgage payment, and you lose your job with no savings, what do you do then? <laughs> what, what do you do with no savings? At least if you had savings, you could, say three months or nine months of savings, you could weather the storm, but no savings. What are you going to do, borrow more money? How are you going to pay the money back if you don't have income coming in? Right. Right? So if you have no debt, you lose your job, you got say nine months of expenses saved, just for example, I was going to low end, at least three months of expenses, three to nine months, that's what I recommend, right? What if you got money saved, and you lose your job, or you lose your business during this time right now, the coronavirus, you can yep. survive for three months, right? Because this thing isn't going to last forever. You can have money saved, pay your payments for your mortgage, your rent, your food, take care of your family for a short period of time, Again, because this thing isn't going to last forever, and you can get back on your feet. Not have to worry about people getting phone calls from you, or people calling you by your credit card, not right. being paid, right? It's less stress, but people are teaching people to borrow money, to use OPM, other people's money. Right. I say use YM, use your money. <laughs> <laughs> because... If you start a business with your money and you don't get clients right away, you don't have to worry about paying that SBA loan because you don't have any debt. You use your money from your side. Well, if you have a full-time job and you have a side hustle, you still have money to pay for things. Say if you need to go get some prints or pay for your hotel, you have money to pay for that. But if you are leveraging your business right away, you're not serving your clients because once you get that money, who do you pay first? The credit card company or you pay the mortgage lender for the loan you put on the building or you get that SBA loan, you pay the bank back for that money you borrowed to get that equipment. But yep. you don't have any clients yet though. So pay cash for everything. And if you can pay cash for a house, do it. Pay cash for your business, pay cash for your car, your clothes, everything. I believe in living debt-free because debt is a thief. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, there, there's there's clearly some truth to that. Um, the, the it honestly, <laughs> you know, someone who's a, 
a well-respected businessman on Shark Tank, right? Mark Cuban. Uh, I've heard him say exactly the same thing that you just did, that that starting a business with debt, with a loan, is crazy because mm-hmm. of exactly what you said, you know, mm-hmm. and and it, it makes it a lot harder to um, to give the business time to grow mm. because you, you've got bills due today, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and maybe the business would be fine if you could take a few months to let it grow, which you could do if it wasn't something that you were starting with a loan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you start with a loan, you just, you're, you, you just basically added an enormous amount of pressure and, you know, and it, 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 it might be what breaks you or breaks the business at least. Correct. Um, Correct. So well, that's fair. So, uh, and I, I, I really appreciate you taking so much time to, to chat with me this evening. Um, one, one final thing I was going to ask you about is just what are your thoughts on, on investing? Um, mm. Do you encourage people to, to try and do investing at all? Or what, what are your thoughts there? So, yes, I do. But first, I want people to have the foundation. Budgeting sure. first. Get out, get out of debt secondly. Pay off all your credit cards, student loans, pay all, everything off. Then once you pay all your consumer debt off, save your rainy day fund from, I recommend starting up with 500 to $1,500, pay off your debt, and then increase that from $1,500 to three to nine months of living expenses. Because life happens to us right now. We're in a pandemic right now. Tornadoes, hurricanes, job losses, business losses, Life happens. So I mean oh sorry, go ahead. I mean to cut you off. Having that money saved is very important. Mm-hmm. And then once you have those things in place, your budget, out of debt, money day fund, I recommend then start investing, saving between ten and fifteen percent of your income. Because if you don't have any debt, you can invest more money, right? Yeah, well and you know, especially when it comes to, to debt, I mean the interest rates on most debt is is higher than the than the rate of return you're going to get on investments mm-hmm. generally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I remember when I was when I was probably 20 or something. I I talked to my mom about I was going to start investing in the stock market, and she said, mm-hmm. "Well, do you have any credit card debt?" And I said, "Well, yeah." And she said, well, "You've got to pay that off first because you're not going to make more as a percentage annually on investing than you are owing on the credit card." You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, because I actually saw one person had a credit card with like twenty eight percent interest rate on it. I said, "Oh, that's crazy." Same. I mean, like <laughs> that's crazy. And the stock market has averaged like ten percent, according to Investopedia right. com. So it's yep. it made sense to pay it off and then invest that money that you would have been spending on credit cards into the stock market. I this is completely really unrelated. I mean, it, it's kind of related, but I just I, I was so blown away by this. And we're having a conversation about money, so I'll share it. So I got a check in the mail last year. Not a check, actually, but a, it looks like a check, right? Um, for like $500, I think. Now, again, it's not it's not really a check. It's like a, it's like a, just an, a, a piece of marketing, an ad that it looks like a check, and then you take it and cash it or whatever, and it's really a loan, right? Mm. Um, and it was, it, was, it was evil because it was, it was right around Christmas, and the, the language in the letter that it came with was like, oh, do you need some extra money to buy, you know, gifts for your family or whatever, like really hitting people in a bad spot, in my mm-hmm. opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you but anyway, and, and so it's like, you know, take this and, and sign here and you can have five hundred dollars. And 
man, I flipped it over to look and I mean, I wasn't actually pers- going to pursue it, but I was just curious to see what the terms were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the APR on this was 130%. Are you serious? <laughs> now it's because it's, there's like a bunch of fees stacked in. So kind of like a car title loan thing or whatever. Wow. But, but again, and not that I'm like some guru or something, I'm clearly not. But again, because I think of my background in working in credit card companies, like I always am interested to see what the terms are. Uh But, you know, a lot of people don't look at that stuff. And it's like, I just couldn't believe (laughs) that someone (laughs) would send out a loan offer and have the audacity (laughs) to print on the back that it's 130% like get out of here. Like, Mm. again, I don't have some larger point other than I was just shocked that that even existed. And honestly appalled that that there are people out there who are are preying on people that are in a needy spot and probably don't have the the financial education or understanding to 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 know to look at the back of the page and read what the APR is maybe they don't know what the APR is you know mm-hmm. and I, my point just being like it and again it's for $500 so it's not mm-hmm. even for some huge amount of money like so people just beware <laughs> if someone's trying to offer you a loan like to your point of the debt is the thief like well if you signed up for that loan you definitely are getting robbed it's <laughs> <is> crazy that's why it's important to understand then buy right the person, then make the purchase if it's you don't understand it, then don't buy it. <laughs> That's not right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure it is. Um, well, Dakota Gray, I, I really appreciate you coming on the, the, the podcast. Again, your your book is Financial Hope. And I apologize if, if you'd like to say it because I know there's a subtitle there as well. But what, what is the name of your book one more time? Yes. The title of the book is Financial Hope, Principles for a Prosperous Financial Future. You can find it online at dakotagrady.com. Click on the online store. You can also get a copy of it on Barnes & Noble as well as Amazon. Awesome. So it's available as a physical book, but you can also get it on like a Kindle or like an ebook. Yes. You can get the ebook available on Barnes & Noble. Awesome. Um, well, again, Dakota Grady. Uh, website is dakotagrady.com, the book, Financial Hope. Um, and again, you, you're able to, you're offering coaching sessions, like you said earlier, to people they don't have to be from Tennessee. They can be anywhere and you can Skype with them and, and meet and coach with them that way as well. That's correct. Yes. And you can find that information online at the online store, dakotagrady.com. I also have a seven week course called, I'm going to rebrand it, but it's called the, the, credit, the, the Dakota Grady system, your way to wealth Academy. Okay. So if people want to sign up for a longer term kind of, kind of, class that they would go through or kind of a, a workshop that's on a continual basis you've got that as well yes correct yes they can find it on my website as well awesome well dakota again i really appreciate you joining the show this evening um and i will uh make sure and include links to your website and everything in the the show notes so listeners you can find the information there uh, and if anyone has any questions dakota is available you can email him directly but also if some reason you wanted to email me I, i'd be more than happy to pass you along to dakota if you've got questions for him um, again thank you so much for your time dakota really appreciate it thank you for your time walker
All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you again to Dakota Grady for coming on the show. And thank you, as always, to Misha for providing the music. And thank you, of course, listener, for listening to the episode. As always, I invite you to follow me on social media. I'm available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at The Walk Show. Twitter, it's The Walk Show Pod. Uh, you can always email me at walker at thewalkshowpodcast.com if you've got thoughts, questions, ideas, anything you'd like to bring. I'd be happy to interact with you on that. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which I co-host with Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a gaming podcast uh, where we talk about video games, but we really talk about why gaming matters. Um, gaming is something that Brett and I have done since we were kids and, and something that's really important to us. And so instead of just doing news and reviews, which there's some of that in there as well, uh, we really try and focus just on the emotional connections we have with gaming and, and, again, why it really matters to us. So if you enjoy the walk show and the kind of long-form discussions we have here, then I strongly encourage you to check out Pick Up Your Sticks, which is available everywhere podcasts are found. Thanks so much again. Stay up. Have a good week. <laughs>